Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Thanks to Neds. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. You win some, you lose more. Was it frustrating, like, you, you say you were sitting there and the detectives like, mate, I can show your phone down, we'll just clear this up here, that it took as long as it did? Are they being thorough? Is it getting drawn out? Like, are you just sitting there going, mate, yeah, and just more this the, should be done? The reputational damage, 100%. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, they obviously didn't know what I had on my phone, but to think, I, I probably lost half a million dollars worth of, like, opportunities in that and I'm a boy who come from no money right yeah. that, that stuff sets you up for life 100% yeah, you're smart with it yeah that that's frustrating but it's also like I'm 26 I just turned 26 so it's like I've got so many years to make that back mm. um, and as well like as I just said before like I'm I'm so grateful that situation happened it's, I know that sounds so stupid but I learned more in that last six months than any other period of my life and um, you know who's real who's not real who reaches out who stays quiet who leads a, who lends a hand yeah I mean, prime example, Hamish McLaughlin, you ever heard of him? Yeah, the Channel 7. Channel 7 host, yeah. yeah. Like, he didn't owe me any loyalty, but he's a really, really good man. I've been over to his house a couple of times, very early in our friendship. But I did something with him. I recorded it in January, and it was it was like quite big. I was quite happy to be a part of it. And I was thinking, he kept trying to call me after, and I was like really panicked because everyone just ran for the hills. All my brand deals and stuff like that ran for the hills. Mm. And I'm thinking, he's just going to be another one. He's yeah. just going to run for the hills as well. I finally build the courage up to answer his phone call and he goes, how you feeling, mate? I'm like, oh, mate, to be honest, like I'm pretty flat right now. And he's like, didn't say anything about that. And I said, he's like, right at the end of the call, he's like, this is it's being launched on this date. I'm like, you're still going through with it? He's like, yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, I never turn my back on you. Yeah. I'm like, he owed me nothing. And he was like, and you sort of, in moments like that, you see who's real and who's not, right? Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that because like, I think... I was a young boy when I first sort of come into fame and it sounds so stupid, but a man, yeah. which is nice. Well, f- yeah. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a hectic, hectic experience to have to go through that. And one where you're like, you could be forgiven for losing your faith in humanity generally, right? Where you're just going like, Jesus Christ, like the, the gravity of false accusations like that and like what they can do to you obviously monetarily but just generally right like it's done everything you've worked like like you could be forgiven for being like bitter and like did you have you found it difficult to trust again to love again (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i've been writing heaps of poetry recently because it's quite heavy emotion and i wrote heaps of poems about that like i i never want this situation to take away from this like i'm gonna say because i'm quite deep but like take away my ability to love like i won't let it beat me like that Mm. because you think about love and i don't know if you like feel it with your kids, with your partner, like it's the most pure thing. And I, oh, yeah. I love when I'm in love with someone and I love when I'm sharing my life with someone and I never want, never want that situation to, to take that away from me. Absolutely, there's a lot to unpack and I haven't started 
properly dating or allowing myself to fall in love again, but it will come. Mm. It will come. But like, absolutely, there's a bit to unpack in it. Yeah. <laughs> a few trust issues now. <laughs> yeah. Shocker. So, yeah. Yeah, shock horror. Is yeah. that something that you feel like you need to actively seek help to like unpack? Yeah. Or is I, it you just think that time's probably going to be enough for you? Time's always a big thing, but I've always seeked help. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've always seen sports psychs or psychologists, and I'm like a big one of. Like, I always want to be better. Even everyone I tell this to is, like, looking at me like I'm stupid because they know the situation. But even that whole situation, right, I have to take some accountability in making that situation occur. As in, like, in a relationship, we both bring problems to it, right? We're not per Neither of us are perfect. Mm. And we're all wounded children acting like adults. And that's what happens in a relationship. And I've got to take some responsibility in how I showed up in the two years that me and my ex-partner were together. So I And I will reflect on that and I'll grow so a situation like that never happens again, right? Mm. And I'll I'll try and, and critique myself as much as I can so I can be a better partner, a better son, a better friend. Is there an element of that, though, where you're sort of, like, blaming yourself for something like for someone else's actions? Everyone brings their own shit, right? It's not your fault in any way for, like, that sort of level of an outcome. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah, yeah it's funny because I think my natural standpoint being, I don't know if it's from my upbringing, but it comes from, like, I'll throw myself under the bus before I blame anyone else, right? Yeah. And individual sport, it's like when you lose, it's, it's on, on you. you. It's on yeah. you. It's on no one else. Mm. Um, so I understand that's probably my standpoint, but I do understand that also is a big asset to have because it'll always make me reflect on my own actions mm. so I can be better and show up better um, as a friend, partner, son, whatever. This is All Talk with the Hello Sport Podcast, coming to you on SCN, and we are speaking to Harry Garside. How relieving was it then when, because like even before we were talking about like it took a while for things to, for the police to sort of do what they did. But I think I remember you saying like, comparative to some people, it actually kind of turned around quite quickly, right? Where they dropped all the charges and then it's now flipped. That like must have just been one of the great weights off your shoulder. And then to see, you know, obviously there's a, it's tinged with a little bit of like maybe cynicism, but like how quickly everything sort of, People have, the general uh, sentiment has changed back to being like, holy f poor f through it. Like, <laughs> how's that experience been like where it's like, everything's gone, oh shit, now it's all coming back. That month, so it was four weeks. So four weeks, I got charged on the second or something and, and four weeks later, it was, it was all over. And just like <laughs> that month, to think about the depths of hell that I was in and then to have that relief and weight lifted off the shoulders when, when it was, I guess, over for myself. Uh, was was massive and I guess it just like as I said before and I, I'll keep saying everything's always an opportunity not a problem it sort of was the propel forward that I needed I, I made a deal to myself in the jungle that I'm going for the Olympics I'm going to try and do something that's never been done and win a gold medal for Australia in, in boxing and it's like that situation just made me have to focus on that because I couldn't sit in my bedroom and be sad mm -hmm. because it was just like if I did that, I'll just I probably would still be there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I just focused on my goals for that whole month, and then when it was all over, I could fully, properly just like sort of cut the cut the the ties with with that whole situation and focus on Paris 2024. Before you went to the jungle, there was like some shit with your boxing trainer at the time. I guess you separated from him there. Well, I guess the article was kind of like, oh, you're not, you weren't, you weren't going to box anymore. At least that was maybe the inference or maybe that's just my memory, but like... I think it was professional boxing. Professional boxing. Were you always, was that the plan? Were you like, oh, I just want to try for the Olympics? Like how, what was that situation? So I guess to answer that question, I have to go back last year. So... A big portion of last year, I was I felt quite lost, and I I couldn't put my finger. I remember like <clears throat> August, September last year, I was just like really lost, and I didn't really know what was going on. And 
And I can happily say or easily say now that I think it was because I was so disconnected to myself. Like, as a young boy, I wanted to win a gold medal. It wasn't a bronze medal. Like, mm. that was, like, a success. It was great. But I wanted to win a gold medal. And, and Australia's never done something like that. And, and that's what I wanted to do. And I think they shine some money at me after the Olympics and I, and I walk in that direction, right? Every fighter on my leg besides one did the exact same thing. They didn't win gold, some of them, but they all turned professional after. And mm. I thought that was a natural progression, but I felt really disconnected to myself most of my professional boxing career. And I think it's because I turned my back on that young kid. That young kid almost was a sellout. I was tossing up. There was three options at the end of last year, whether I walk away from boxing altogether, whether I stick a professional boxing, set myself up for life with some money and some opportunities, but be disconnected to myself or make no money, but be reconnected to myself and try for the Olympics and win a gold medal. And I actually gave the jungle the place where I was going to figure that out. I was like, this is a hassle because I was still undecided mm. on what to do. And then I come out of it or halfway through the jungle, I'm like, nah, I'm going for the Olympics for sure. For sure. And and I, ever since I come out, I'm just like full steam ahead. Go for 2024, it. yeah. So, Sick, dude. So what was it about the jungle that, you know, had gave you the clarity? So it has, has to be like, it was the stripping away of the ego, right? When you're living in a big city like this, and I've never lived close to a city like, like this before, and living in like the east of all places too, and being built up, I guess, by my professional career, getting a lot more media opportunities and stuff like that. That's like the ego. The ego wants me to stay in there. The ego likes that. The ego loves that. Wants the money, wants the fame, wants the attention. That's what you get in professional mm. boxing. And when I went on, it sounds so so weird, almost like ironic because I'm on a TV show, which is getting attention. But in that, you sort of forget you're on a TV show. And everyone there was just like treating me like Harry. And I felt like it was a stripping away of the ego. And I felt like a little boy again who just had a dream of being an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Was there any part of that boy though that saw that the next step into professional boxing? Or did you just... Was there never really any plan to fall into professional boxing? It just sort of happens after the Olympics. Like, I'm just trying to work out how you saw professional boxing versus amateur Olympic boxing. I think growing up, I always thought that was a natural progression. But then I got into professional boxing and, and I realized that it was like, I've got, I'll probably go back to it after the Olympics for sure. Like, yeah. absolutely. But I also, like, Australia's never won an Olympic gold medal for boxing. Like, I'm trying to do something that's never been done before. Yeah. And, and, like, I fell in love with sport growing up in memories like John Aloisi, Yubi Ilti, mm, scoring that yeah. goal in 2005, yeah. Grant Hackett in 2004, all the amazing moments watching Australia in the Com Games, the Olympics, anything Australian, the Ashes, like, I'm, I'm locked in, right? Yeah. And Perkins, 96. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't. I wasn't old enough. Yeah, it was not Lane eight. <laughs> Lane eight. What I've yeah. watched it. What a, what a fucking Lane race. eight. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, what a race. Yeah, <laughs> one for the ages. Um, but yeah, I grew up watching stuff like that, right? And mm. and I and I understand you could probably do that in professional boxing, but it's just very, it's very different. It's an individual thing where I think representing Australia, putting on the green and gold, that's like a. Patriot, Patriot is every kid mm. wants to go to the Olympics. Every kid wants to wear the green and gold in their chosen sport. I love that because they're my favourite memories too, Olympic memories oh, from yeah, like a absolutely. sporting perspective. 2000 was f We like, I feel like that's my happy place, the yeah, year yeah. 2000. Yeah. The world made sense back then. 